There is no better place to find out what's really happening in the blueberry industry than to get out to some actual blueberry fields. I've been so thankful that things are opening up and I've been able to get back on the road lately to visit with blueberry growers like Michael Thomas. You know, I think we're optimistic about the future of blueberries. I think there's still still room for growth. And I think if we continue to be uh, proactive on education of the health benefits of blueberries, I think there's a future in blueberries for all of us. Today's episode is sort of a field report as we visit Blackshear, Georgia, and you get to meet a first-generation blueberry farmer and emerging industry leader. Michael shares how his 2021 harvest is gone and why he's optimistic about the future of blueberries. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Happy National Blueberry Month. If you haven't already, make sure you pick up your National Blueberry Month toolkit on the USHBC website. We'll put a link of that for you in our show notes. As you've heard in recent episodes, we've had a chance to get out to some blueberry fields in recent weeks, and I want to be able to share those experiences with you here on our podcast. So in today's episode, I'm going to take you out to Thomas Family Farms in Blackshear, Georgia. We'll be visiting with the owner there, Michael Thomas, about his farm and the blueberries he manages for a pension fund and how the 2021 season has gone in Georgia. Also, we'll be talking a little bit about his involvement in the USHBC leadership going forward. I really enjoyed getting out to visit with Michael and his family, and I'm happy to get to share this visit with you. So to kick things off, I've asked Michael to share a little bit more about his background and his operation. I guess growing up on a tobacco farm, row crop farm, as a young boy, I always had a passion for farming that evolved into blueberry farming about 10 years ago. And so along with my father and my brother, we actually had our first planting in 2011. And we just kind of grown up from there. So running a packing operation, managing a pension fund farm as well. And it's been nice being in business with the family. Always has its set of challenges as well. But we've grown closer together through it. We've learned to depend on each other more through it. And, um, you know, just looking forward to the opportunities ahead of us as a family and as a farm and uh, being a part of the blueberry industry. Yeah, and then you mentioned, you know, for those who may have heard you say pension fund farm, but maybe you could describe a little bit about, you know, the distinguishing between your farm and, and the one you're operating that is a pension fund farm, and what does that mean? Right, yeah, so it's kind of a, I say, a new concept to our area uh, as far as South Georgia. I don't think it's uh, definitely not a new concept, I guess you would, would say, but probably probably in the blueberry industry anyway. So we have a business partners in, um, out of uh, Indiana. It's, they go under the name of U.S. Agriculture. And so they have a few other holdings in the state of Georgia, and we've had the opportunity of managing one of those farms. And so it's actually owned by a school teacher's pension fund. And um, it's been very interesting. It's been, we've learned a lot from it as far as analyzing what uh, success as a investing looks like at the farm level. So, yeah, I mean, kind of give you a little background of what, you know, the way that works. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe you can help break up the 
the size of your farm versus the ones you manage, but in whole, you know, how many acres here in Georgia does the Thomas Family Farms help run? Yeah, so currently at our home farm, we're about 300 acres. That's combined high bush and rabbit eye blueberries. The Homerville farm is actually uh, about 375 acres. And that's also a blend of high bush and rabbit eye varieties as well, predominantly high bush. Okay. Where are we in relationship to most of your acres? Right? Are we right in the middle of it? or? or so, yeah, it pretty much surrounds our office, office here. Okay. here where we're at. And then the managed farm is actually south of here in, in a little town called Homerville, Georgia. All right. Well, it's a lot of blueberries nonetheless. So you've had your handful, I'm sure, this season. It's been uh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and where are you in the in the season right now in terms of you know where you're at here in Georgia? So, yeah, we've uh, pretty much finished up our fresh pack season. Our uh, rabbit eye crop is coming a little short. Had some issues in the state of Georgia this year with, with quality on rabbit eye production. So we were out of the fresh market at this point. A little bit of frozen pig left, probably 10 to 14 days, and we'll be completely finished up. But uh, most of our fields have been pruned um, okay. except for our rabbit eye fields. And yeah. So we're looking forward to 2022 at this point. Oh, man. Well, before we get there, at the NABC, you know, we did some forecasting as we do. This year was going to be, you know, 1.6 billion pounds and, you know, the biggest year, you know, that had been estimated on record. You know, a lot of eyes on how that was going to go and with all of the different ways it was going to potentially come down and obviously Mother Nature and all that. But how do you feel it sorted itself out here in Georgia? Yeah, so Georgia crop from the beginning was uh, was estimated to be a, a pretty heavy yielding year. And for us, it's actually turned out to be that way. So there's obviously some some farms that struggled and didn't uh, wasn't able to capitalize on the larger yield this year. Pricing overall for us, though, I think for the whole industry was definitely better this year than it's been in previous years, even with a with a much larger crop. So, yeah, overall, I would guess I'd have to summarize this year as a success. The weather was um, very mild. It was you know favorable for us uh, through a harvest. If every year could be like this year, I'd count it as success. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that rabbit eye season. And just your sense of, of the future of rabbit eye, you know, I was talking to one grower who was saying it just has this perception issue on its place in the market. And yet there's still a lot of production of rabbit eye still here. I don't know how many people are still putting in rabbit eye, but what's your sense of the future of rabbit eye for your farm? So, yeah, I think overall, obviously, if you, if you look at the analysis of production by week over the, you know, the last 10 years, for the state of Georgia, it's definitely trended, you know, away from the rabbit eye and, and more so into the early high bush season. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think the the market has the perception that rabbit eye fruit is not as, as good as the high bush. But, you know, for us in Georgia, I think we would probably have to beg to differ on that one. You know, it's, it's still very good quality fruit. I think the biggest uh, reason behind, you know, the perception of rabbit eye fruit is that Typically, North Carolina's coming on strong at that time with high bush fruit. New Jersey's coming on at the same time. And then you also get into the early season, uh, Michigan and the northern states as well in production. So rabbit eye you know, quality fruit is, is still very good, very desirable. I think it's a shift in seasons is what it's probably become more more so than anything. Market-wide, though, I, I would put a lot of our uh, rabbit eye packs up against uh, early season high bush packs and, and say they were just as good. We have struggled this year. You know, generally we're getting into rainy season for Georgia, and that becomes an issue, you know, trying to, to get quality. And, you know, from one year to the next, that can change. We've been very dry at this point in the last couple of weeks. We've been getting into some rainy weather. So generally when we get to the to the rainy season, that usually sums up our season anyway, whether that's the 
second or third week of June or if we make it to July. So maybe that gives you a little background on, on the future rabbit eyes. Yeah. Well, it's it's always a conversation, that, you know, that I've learned a lot about during my tenure here. And I'm always just curious, you know, now hearing more of it since getting here on this trip about rabbit eyes and, and the season that it's still ongoing. I mean, that's what's still being picked down here. Otherwise, everybody seems to be wrapped up. Any prediction from you on, on whether or not, you know, Georgia hit its estimate in total? Do you have any sense of... of... Yeah, so I don't know the numbers exactly, but if, if I had to go out on them and guess, I would say that we were... I had to be really close to, to Brian Bocock's estimations. Okay. Um, I know okay. it had everybody a little nervous on what production and supply and demand was going to look like, but I think overall uh, it turned out well for most growers. Well, it's always great to hear about the success that growers like Michael are experiencing this season and to get a report there from Georgia. This is also a perfect place to take a pause in our conversation and hear from other growers around the country about how their season is going. That is, of course, our Blueberry Crop Report. It's time now for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. This week, we welcome Pat Goen from Indiana and Rex Schultz from Michigan, who begin their weekly crop reports with this episode. You'll also hear from Doug Kramer in Oregon, Alan Schreiber in Washington, and Jason Smith in British Columbia, who share an update on the impact of the recent heat wave on the Pacific Northwest blueberry crop. This was recorded on July 7th, 2021. This is Doug Kramer reporting for Oregon. Those of you that listened last week heard that we had a record heat wave come through our area just over a week ago now. Most farmers have put together a plan to uh, get in and uh, salvage the fruit that's not damaged. We're probably looking somewhere around 30% or 35% damage at this point, so... The hand harvesters are able to pick around it pretty good. Our machine harvesters, one of the things we can do with them is uh, use air fans to sort that, to blow the damaged fruit out. And at this point, that damaged fruit is starting to dry out a little bit. And so it's easier to uh, blow out off the machines than what good fruit is. A certain amount of acreage has had to transition from what was planned to be fresh to what is now going to the processor. But overall, plans have been put in place. Farmers are executing those plans and we will be down on crop, but we do have good quality fruit going into the clamshells at this point in time. And continuing to sell fruit. So that's a crop report from Oregon. Oh, and then it has cooled off here. Today, we're only going to get to about 80 degrees. So the cooler weather is definitely um, assisting in our ability to keep the workers in the field and get this fruit, the good fruit picked out. So thank you very much. This is Alan Schreiber reporting for, for the state of Washington. Eastern Washington has started first first pass of Draper and are finishing up second pass of Duke. South Wash, Southwest Washington is on the second pass of picking Duke. Whatcom and Skadge have just started picking for the fresh market uh, this week. Spotterwing Drosophila disease pressure is low. 
But the first reports of gray mold are just starting to show up. As the case was for Oregon and is for British Columbia, we had record high temperatures last week. Uh, Western Washington has more normal temperatures. Eastern Washington still has many uh, triple digit days uh, coming, so it's gonna continue to be hot. The heat has caused some problems in most of the blueberry fields in the state. Uh, we were quite fortunate to not have the level of impact that we saw to the north and the south. We are still handpicking a lot of fruit for the fresh market. We have had to switch uh, and divert some fruit that was expected to go onto the fresh market now has to be machine picked for the process market. So we're seeing increased uh, machine harvest. The damage that is caused to the fruit and to the foliage is still unfolding. It still hasn't all uh, revealed itself. I was looking at a number of fields on Friday that looked like they had largely escaped the heat damage, but by Monday, damage was starting to, to show up that we hadn't seen on Friday. We don't know how much our losses are going to be. My best estimate would be about a 16% reduction in volume. I think the shift in market sectors from fresh to processed or from grade A to grade B or grade C may be a bigger economic hit to us than the reduction in, in volume. But again, it's, it is an estimate, but you know we have a lot of our fruit that has overhead cooling and that helped. We have thousands of acres of blueberries grown under shade and that helped. So even though we had an unprecedented weather event that did something the likes that we've never seen, most of our blueberry crop is still intact and we're shipping out a lot of fruit right now. This is Jason Smith reporting for uh, British Columbia, and things have definitely changed from what was initially thought they looked like last week. Um, there's definitely areas of the valley that are affected, but there are other areas that remain fairly untouched. It's Hard to say exactly what the damage is out there at this point, as Alan had mentioned, some of it is is still uh, showing up. Uh, harvest did begin uh, earlier this week and perhaps even a little bit last week on Duke. At this point, it's hard to say exactly what the effects will be. Um, some of the concerns are not just the damage to the fruit, but the impact it, it could have on size in the in the affected areas. Things are looking pretty good out there. We are cooler right now, which has helped for sure. And the crop is progressing along and hopefully things go well for the rest of the rest of the season. We don't have any more extreme weather events like that. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of the growers I've I've talked to initially we're feeling uh, quite devastated initially, but uh, things seem to have turned a bit more uh, positive at this point, uh, especially as you talk to growers in the different areas of the valley. Expect there to be a fairly decent crop out there, but it will be reduced from what we initially thought it would be, uh, you know, two or three weeks ago. I'm Pat Gowen calling in from Indiana with a crop report. Uh, we started harvest here in Indiana the third week of June. 
It was a beautiful crop. We got off to a rocky start with farms reaching anywhere from four to 10 inches of rain. We've managed to get through most of that mess and um, we're picking um, full force. We're in peak volume right now. First pick blue crop has already been off. Uh, We'll be starting second pick on Friday. Size has been good. So I would also say that uh, the demand has been great. Most of Indiana are doing U-Pick operations and ready pick, and um, people are standing in line to get the blueberries. So so all in all, things are good in Indiana. This is Rex Schultz from uh, Michigan reporting in with our crop report for this week. And right now our, our season has started, and um, mostly in our early varieties of Bluetta and Duke and Draper and uh, some of the other early varieties, they all are coming off real nice. Uh, we got uh, good quality firmness and uh, we um, are getting ready to transition over into uh, into our blue crop here. Most growers are uh, finishing up on their first round of the early varieties, and blue crop will be starting for some people uh, here in the next few days. So we feel that we're going to have a good harvest this year. Our projections right now um, is going to be about the same as last year. We're looking probably in the neighborhood about 71 to 73 million, with 60% of that going into fresh and uh, 40% into the process market. We're just getting excited. As, as Pat said, we've uh, got a lot of high demand right now and uh, everyone's anxious. We are waiting for some of our crews. We are a little bit light on hand picking crews right now, but uh, the majority of the hand pickers went from into New Jersey and bypassed North Carolina because of their damage there. So um, we're a little bit late getting them in, but we expect to have a good turnaround and uh, getting full force of crews, hopefully by next week. And that's our crop report for Michigan. Thanks so much to our colleagues who take the time to provide these crop reports and offer a glimpse of how things are going in key regions. For a closer look at what's happening in the blueberry industry, please visit ushbc.org forward slash data, where you'll find our data and insight center, including a snapshot view of the USDA data on production and price. Now, let's jump back into this conversation with Georgia blueberry grower, Michael Thomas. Being a family operation, I asked Michael what role he typically takes in the day-to-day management of their business. So I've always had a passion more so for fertility and growing a bush. And so I would say that was predominantly my role, you know, here at the farm. I'm the one back into the Homerville farm all the time. So managing, managing that farm and handling the fertility programs and that sort of thing at this farm. So my brother, Chad, he's in charge of the packing operation here at the, at the farm and and oversees a lot of the day-to-day activities here. So, yeah, so mine, it would be, be focused on, you know, fertility, growing a bush, and, and trying to maximize yields and production. And so between the two of you, you're really the first-generation blueberry farmers in Thomas' family. That's you, right. You guys That's have been right. a family growing, you know, participating in agriculture for some time, but first-generation in, in the blueberry business. Yep, that would uh, summarize it accurately. Yeah, very good. Well, since... I've been here getting to know you and others in the industry. Uh, Certainly the process at which we elect leaders inside of the USHBC has been something you and I've discussed because you threw your hat in the ring for one of the positions here in the Southeast region for uh, the USHBC. And so I thought I'd just, you know, pick your brain a little bit for the benefit of our audience, because I I think I know the answers to these questions that we've talked about before. But I, I think, you know, just for other people, you know, for, for you and your position with your family farm. And of course, you've got the, you know, the investment of the other farm. But just talk a little bit about your decision to 
throw your hat in the ring for that election? And what value is there for somebody like yourself to spend what time you have in a leadership position at the USHBC? What's motivating you to consider that? Well, I had a, a little nudge from a, a good friend of mine out of Michigan, so okay. that, that helped a lot. Um, but, you know, being being involved and not just riding along, I guess, and, and not really knowing what's going on, I think a lot of what we, in some of our previous discussions, was the educational aspect of, of what's going on behind the scenes and the purpose of the USHBC and what that really means uh, as far as driving future demand and, and trying to grow this industry, you know, to a point that it can continue to support the Georgia growers and the Florida growers and all the family farms throughout the nation and, and everywhere else. So there's obviously challenges with a growing production number. And I see the benefit of USHBC is, uh, is helping to drive that future demand and consumption of, of blueberry. And so, yeah, I think just, just having the opportunity to, to serve and to see what's going on as far as um, you know, driving this future demand and, and consumption of, of blueberries. You know, I think we're op- optimistic about the future of blueberries. And I know that's probably not necessarily the uh, overall thoughts of a lot of growers, uh, at least in the southeast region. But I think there's still still room for growth. And I think if we continue to be uh, proactive on education of the health benefits of blueberries, I think there's a future in blueberries for all of us. Absolutely. You know, having a few conversations with you about your questions about where USHBC is on different strategies, you know, one of those strategies is channel work. And I think there's a lot of room inside of where we're at currently in food service as a good example. You know, when the pandemic hit, you know, blueberries didn't have that crisis of shifting all that food service business into the fresh market or into the retail market alone. You know, we were able to kind of walk through that pretty easily compared to some of the other commodities who had a lot of uh, stake in that food service channel. And so what we're seeing, and you and I have talked about that, is just where we could mature some of our channel work at retail at food service, at global food manufacturing, to put more of these berries that you know could be using competitively at homes in these channels that don't exist today. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of room for optimism, uh, like you say, and you know we need to fine tune our plan, and that's something that you know we're in the middle of. It's coming together, but is there something I think you know just from your perspective that you'd like to see? improved in the marketplace in marketing generally uh, is there something that that you identify with that we we do at ushbc or we could be doing differently to better maximize the opportunities for blueberries um, well i mean obviously just the, the educational aspect of the health of blueberries i think is driving a, a, a lot of the growth in uh, consumption and i think just continuing on that track is proven to be beneficial for the market overall as we had spoken earlier about Thinking about the thought of pack sizes and, you know, doing the statistical data work to pull that together and, and show, you know, retailers what's actually working better for them. Um, so all of our uh, schedules are pretty tight and, and limited on what we can do from day to day. And it would overwhelm me to think of all the different products that they're trying to stock on their shelves and, and actually wrap their mind around what's working and what's not working. And, you know, we need to definitely do a better job of educating our growers, but educating the retail market as well, where they're most profitable at. So That's right. Well, I remember talking to one of our marketers about a buyer they were talking about at a, a retailer I won't name, but they said, you know, the buyer there, they're moving from one thing to the next. They're trying to get their orders in and get this lined out, you know, well in advance so that they can get on to stocking the frozen pizzas. You know, they're just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, one to the next. Yeah, to the next. And, and we're just a piece of their overall 
experience. And so it's, that, that's good perspective, too, you know, knowing where those folks are coming from. And yet, you know, we have a job to do, I think, getting to know who those folks are and, and making sure that at USHBC they, they know that they can come to us for resources and program work that, you know, I think our Grab a Boost Blue program will have a great opportunity for impact going into the future. Are there any other things that you're a member of on the board? I mean, what, what other areas here do you find service in other boards? Yeah, so um, for the last three years, I've had the opportunity to serve on the MBG board. Okay. And um, yeah. that's been um, very educational. That's been very helpful in yep. understanding a, a lot of, like I said, the behind the scenes, what's going on. I would have to say, you know, not knowing other marketers and other marketing entities, I would say MBG does a very, very good job of marketing fruit. You know, we have a great sales team through Nature Right as far as strategizing and, and putting together sales plans and, and that sort of thing. I definitely would have to tip my hat to those guys this year as being a big player in, in our success as growers. So. That's been a great, you know, great opportunity. I've also had the opportunity to serve on the uh, the RTE board, okay. which is uh, a Nature Right board. That's one of the SBUs within Nature Right, which sure. is our Ready to Eat division. And so, um, you know, serving on that as an alternate position for the last last year, year and a half, and that's been very interesting as well. You know, just seeing a a different avenue of uh, opportunity of selling fruit. You know, so you know, as far as blueberries goes, that's that's been my experiences i guess yeah any other local ones are you on the little league for any other i have i've got three children and that takes a lot of my time so you know trying to jockey that from one one ball field to the next a lot of times this can be a challenge so so i hadn't hadn't dedicated a lot of my time to that so that's all right well raising children amen i appreciate that well I know one of the things uh, where we met was, you know, you were able to come to the D.C. meeting and uh, kind of get some exposure to USHBC there and kind of the work there. You know, we haven't been able to get together since uh, that meeting, actually. That was the last in-person meeting of the board. But as you kind of experienced that outside looking in, was there any part of that that kind of motivated you to want to participate at a board level now that you've got your hat in the ring for the Southeast? So I guess going into that meeting, it was just kind of a eyes wide open kind of meeting, educational experience. It was the first, you know, for me to, to be in, in one of those meetings yeah. um, where USHBC and NABC was was kind of driving the meetings. It was very interesting, very informative. You know, just see the enthusiasm of, of you yourself and, you know, and the staff of USHBC and even the board members that currently serve. And, you know, and I've had a opportunity to serve with, with John Bennett and, and Tom Bodke on another board and those guys have are very um, passionate about you know USHBC and what uh, how beneficial USHBC is to us and our industry and so you know I think that's contagious and seeing that um, passion that those guys have and then seeing the passion of you guys and as a grower having the opportunity to be a part of that it's you know something that I think most folks should want to be a part of and would want to be a part of if, if they have the opportunity you know to share in that same experience so I'm excited about the USHBC and what it means, you know, to growers in our area. And I'm just hopeful that other growers would also um, see the same passion and, and drive that I've seen, you know, in the, in the other guys and to see the benefits of, you know, this organization. 
Well, I love to hear Michael's passion and excitement for blueberries and for the USHBC, but let's pause here for our marketing boost. I'll get back to my conversation with Michael in just a moment, but for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. First of all, who loved all the red, white, and blueberries content we saw over the weekend? While July 4th is now behind us, National Blueberry Month is just getting into full swing. Here at USHBC, we're making sure our strategies, tools, and tactics are working for the good of the industry. More than 100 original pie recipes have been submitted for America's Best Blueberry Pie Recipe. Promotional stunts are getting eyes, ears, and taste buds on blueberries through national media coverage. Digital advertising at point of sale is encouraging shoppers to add blueberries to their shopping carts. Social content and influencers are spreading the word far beyond our usual audiences. And industry stakeholders are using our logo to draw people in and asking their customers, are you grabbing a boost of blue? July and the rest of the summer are our time to truly shine. By using this top of mind opportunity to get people to take notice, they are more in tune with the rest of the year to learn about, buy, and love blueberries all year round. The result, including blueberries in their daily lives. How are you using National Blueberry Month to encourage people to grab a boost of blue? Are you yet licensed to use the logo? It's so easy. Just go to ushbc.org license. Need more tools to help you promote blueberries quickly and effectively? We're here for you. Just go to our comprehensive National Blueberry Month toolkit at ushbc.org toolkits. It's like having your own advertising agency at your fingertips. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to the Thomas Family Farms in Georgia and my conversation with Michael Thomas. In fact, I have some exciting news that I was able to share with Michael and now all of you regarding his interest in joining the USHBC leadership. So it's pretty exciting to be sharing with you, obviously, that you were the top vote getter for the Southeast. And so you know, for those who may or may not know, the actual process of uh, the USHBC is an elections process. The results of those of that election goes to the secretary, uh, USDA in this case, Secretary Vilsack, and then he'll make his, you know, kind of final appointment. And that decision, you know, will still rest ultimately with the secretary, but we'll present, you know, basically our, our results from the election and then let that final approval process take place there at USDA. But yeah, congratulations uh, for being, you know, nominated and then elected to the USHBC. Well, thank you. Look forward to serving. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, I think there'll be a number of others who will be coming through this elections process. But, you know, that first opportunity to serve in 2022, look forward to having you on the board and your leadership and, and you know, your perspective, you know, representing the region and, and certainly, you know, the effort ahead, which, as you said, is one that you know, we're optimistic about there. There's a lot of room for growth, both in the channel work and certainly in getting more people out there who aren't enjoying blueberries today to enjoy more of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I appreciate your leadership, appreciate you're willing to serve in this capacity and, and uh, look forward to working with you. Good deal. Yep, I do too. Look, look forward to building relationships and meeting new people and sharing in the same passion. Well, that was certainly a great visit there with Michael and to get a tour of his farm there in Georgia. I always learned so much when getting to interact with growers and marketers in person. And I look forward to a lot more of that 
in the year to come. As we've said on this podcast before, we are all better off when we can sit down together and work together on the business of blueberries. Well, that's it for episode 55. Within the next week or so, we'll be celebrating another big milestone for this podcast, our 20,000th download. I appreciate those of you who tune in every week and please continue to share these episodes with friends and on social media. Well, as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the business of blueberries.